Scree, scree, scree. It's the sign of four. Nothing more. A secret Indian treasure. Hidden in Norwood. Buy no goods. Holmes is gonna find it. Mary Morrison's here in the book. She's Watson's wife. But you know what? They don't do that. <laughs> Sholto, what the fuck? No, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, what the fuck, Sholto? Yeah, we're not doing the intro. You know who we are. Yeah. What the fuck? Okay, so... I want to say nothing against the actual actor. Yes. But the makeup on this man, the choices. When we did the episode of The Equalizers where we talked about Man in the Iron Mask, I went real hard against the look for um, Porthos, played by Gerard Depardieu. And it was very clear, and this is the same case, we are not making fun of the man who played Sholto. It is whoever designed the look. That look is like, we, we, in the time, we called it the reverse musclash or the musclashnoid. Um, I think it looks like Willy Wonka and Blofeld had a baby. Uh, I said he looked like, what if Ambassador DeLand came out of the cocoon wrong? What? I thought he looks like a, a somehow more racist Oompa Loompa. He looked like if one of the Weasley uncles was trying to steal Christmas. I did write, uh, it looks like Ben Franklin had sex with a pervert egg. <laughs> You, from that, know exactly what this man looks like. I don't need to describe him any further. No, we're good. <laughs> um, he's played by Ronald Lacey, who you might know from being that scary Nazi man from Indiana Jones. Oh, okay. Yeah. The, with the burned hand? Yeah, that guy. Okay. I can see that. Mm-hmm. Through all the hair. Yeah, it is and such baldness. a look. It's, it's like he has hair everywhere except <laughs> where he should. <laughs> like, just the very top of his head is entirely, sh- like, clean-shaven. And he mentioned he had a twin brother. And I looked at Jack's like, please tell me the twin brother has only has hair where he doesn't. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, so what a wild, like, Tweedledum, Tweedledee kind of, like... I will say, based on the story, a pretty well-realized character. The character is... Uh, the character... In the book, mm-hmm. seems like someone Sherlock Holmes would make up as a disguise, <laughs> but it's clearly not because Sherlock Holmes is also in the room, and they do a great job of translating that for the screen. Um, he is very offsetting. He is very unsettling in a lot of ways. Oh, you were right the first time, also. <laughs> very offsetting. Yeah, he moves all your text like half an inch to the left. I guess off-putting was what I was thinking. Never mind. Yeah. Oh man. He smokes the hookah. He talks in the small voice. His hands move. It is, I, it's so weird. We'll put a little snippet of the dialogue in here. I, I trust you have uh, no objection to uh, uh, tobacco smoke. <laughs> the balsamic odor of eastern tobacco. <laughs> I am uh, a little nervous. And I, I find my hookah to be an invaluable... He's just so wild. Love that we jumped right into the solid a third of the way into the movie. Just apropos of nothing. No introduction, no anything. No. Um, so we should probably talk about what we're doing. Um, no. Uh, so what do you want to cover first? Uh, this is the television movie The Sign of Four starring Jeremy Brett and Edward Hardwick for Granada Television. Uh, hour 43 minutes, which is about an hour longer than our usual fare. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. Desperately boring. Absolutely <laughs> thunderously boring. Uh-huh. I think we can probably get into it more later, but uh, it is... 
There's enough story here to be like an hour 15. It doesn't need to be an hour 45. Yeah. Pro- I think um, it's a bit too much to, to like a normal 40 minute episode. I wouldn't want to like oh, bring through all that. You don't think we needed the 20 minute slow boat chase? <laughs> right. Cut the boat chase. We can fit it into no, the 13 minute I, episode. We needed more time on the boat chase. You didn't want to hear Holmes shouting, we must have her burn the boat if we have to. That was pretty rad. Do you want to do this synopsis real fast? Yeah, this one we might break up because it's an hour and 43 minutes. Ten years before his daughter consulted Holmes, Morstan, captain in the Indian Army, inexplicably disappeared. For the past six years, Mary Morstan has received a magnificent pearl every year, whose anonymous sender has just written her a letter inviting her to visit him in order to repair the injustice she would have suffered. She did suffer? Did, okay. Yeah. Did it would have in the past future. <laughs> Holmes and Watson accompany Mary, who shows them a plan inherited from her father, marked with the mysterious Sign of Four. It seems to indicate the location of a treasure. According to the author of the letter, Thaddeus Sholto, his father, before he died, his two sons to repair the damage. Did I? Hold on. I might have accidentally done typo badness. Yeah. (laughs) My favorite Bond villain. (laughs) Typo badness. According to the author of the letter, Thaddeus Sholto, his father, before he died, instructed his two sons to repair the damage he had done to Mary by keeping the entire treasure, a part of which went to Morstan. But Bartholomew renounces his father's wishes. Thaddeus and his visitors came to convince him and found only his corpse. Love a tense change. <laughs> two times in a paragraph. There would be another one, but we'll get to that in a bit. So, this is a big episode to meet Mary Morstan. Sort of. Yeah. Yeah. I looked, uh, she did not appear at any future no. episodes, unless they have a different actor. So, um, this is actually the, so the, the Study in Scarlet uh, debuted, which is where we either introduced Sherlock Holmes and Watson, and then this is the next book, even though it supposedly takes years late, it takes place years later, mm-hmm. this is the next piece of Sherlock Holmes canon that comes out. In the stories in Scandal Bohemia, where we started, Watson is married, he's just like, popping by to see what's up mm-hmm. and then gets pulled into the mystery. Like that's pretty frequently like, Oh yeah, I just went to see what Holmes was up to. And he asked me to be in a mystery with him or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the series yeah, started on the podcast. He asked me, he tricked me into watching a television series <laughs> by having me do a podcast about it. And so the series just kind of decided she's not in this really. Cause at some point in the story, she just never appears again or is ever mentioned again. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they just kind of didn't do that. And I actually, this time watching it through, paid attention. And they get to the house, and the housekeeper is like in a tiz. And Holmes goes, Miss Morrison, please look after her. And that's the last time we see her until Small reveals the, the true facts of the case or whatever. Mm-hmm. She's not in the movie at all until the very end again. Yeah. Now, you read the book. I ran out of time, so I didn't get to it. But is she more prominent in the book? Yeah, or? a bit. Um in the book, there's a good like three or four days of like Holmes looking for the treasure and the killers, mm-hmm. um, and, and the horse and the silver blaze. <laughs> yes, um, there's kind of a lot of running around. Some of it happens, so it's kind of condensed. But during a lot of it, there's like waiting for them to like hear back about stuff. Sure. And Watson will go to like check on Mary, like, "Hey, here's our updates. We don't know shit." And she's like, "Ah, yes, I am uh, dignified and noble about this whole affair." Um, Would actually, you like, like another cup of marriage? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, they do this whole like very British pining thing where they're both like clearly into each other but don't want to say anything because there's a crime happening. Um, <laughs> the famous l- rule of British propriety. 
You can't get married until all the murders are solved. If you are a part of an active crime investigation, you are not allowed to profess your feelings until it's solved or it's actively, you're in the parlor scene. Luckily, the existence of the British Empire is, and its ongoing effects constitute a crime, so no British person has ever expressed any emotion for the last 400 years, at least. Uh, any British people listening, you can tweet at Jackson directly about that. <laughs> I don't think it comes up in the episode, but I like a lot in the story mm-hmm. where Holmes is like, well, Mary, you've presented this case. We need to know this, this, and this. I must find that out first. She's like, oh, hey, I have these papers to answer that question. He's like, oh, well, that's cool. Well, from this, it helps a lot if we have like a map of this one Fort Niagara. She's like, here, I have the map of Agra. <laughs> <laughs> what you got, Holmes? What you got? <laughs> yeah, she's like, birth certificate. Boom. <laughs> Sholto's hat size. Boom. <laughs> the silver plate is boom. <laughs> just like brings it into Baker Street. All that happens. Yeah. <laughs> like I can't refute that. I didn't read the books. As far as I know that happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's like a, a few bits about her being like a model client. <clears throat> like it, she knows that this is a weird affair. She doesn't know what's necessary, but she's like, I'm going to bring everything because I'm going to make sure it's all ready for you to make it solvable, which is just, it's a cool bit. I like that as a character trait. So the only person that he could ever be okay with Watson marrying. <laughs> a little bit. I will admit this, like, part of it is that uh, there are almost no differences between uh, Mary Morrison and uh, uh, Wilhelmina Murray from Dracula. Mm. Uh, they're very similar characters, and she's one of my favorite characters in anything ever. So, here we are. Yeah, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah, ex- exactly. A perfect one-to-one ratio of that character and the character from the books. The parallel is exact. Uh-huh. Anyway. Um, the story. Or go ahead. Mary doesn't really show up in the rest of the series, to our knowledge, but... I'm kind of sad. Cause like, I mean, Jenny Seagrove does a decent job as Mary. Like, I'm, mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not like drawn into her as much as like I am with Thaddeus Sholto. <laughs> I'm ultimately I'm not as repelled by her as I am by Thaddeus Sholto. True. In the show, I made a note and I, I coined the coined. I wrote the phrase Warston for their cute quote unquote mm-hmm. couple's name and how the show just kind of slaps us around the face with the like look at it, they're married in the stories because I said this to you when we were watching it every scene that they are in together looks like a wedding photo <laughs> like it looks like it's a, a shot of like look at the cute couple like every way they're postured every way that they're framed it is legitimately like they're like taking a shot for like the wedding album or whatever and it's just like, if they're not going to fuck, who cares? <laughs> I think they might have not done that because in the story, this mm-hmm. is like a pretty young Watson and a pretty, the age she is in this episode, Mary. Whereas here we have Edward Hardwick, who is, you know, in his 50s at this mm-hmm. point, and Mary, who is not. Um, it's impressive that you knew that and didn't have to look it up. Yeah, I, I know, right? I'm very good at guessing ages. I'm, I know people's faces really easily. So I, I could see them and be like, hey, it would be weird if this, like old man marry this poor sad lady yeah and kind of bucking every hollywood tradition ever i know right good on them and i guess especially even literature of the time not not the 1980s i guess but the 1880s yeah that would definitely be a thing all over the place i think we probably run into that at some point in this show with some like weird age gap marriage stuff happening i don't have much more to say on mary marston unfortunately she's not in the show a lot so there's not she's not in this a lot she's not in the show yeah uh which maybe is because this came out with ostensibly two seasons left Mm -hmm. they just weren't going to introduce her to that because i mean this again this was the second thing ever written about sherlock holmes and we see a lot of that with like the irregulars 
Um, disguises again came up for the first time in a while. Mm-hmm. A lot of the things that are meant to be um, home staples. I did read a little bit of the beginning of the story looking for a quote I liked at the beginning of the episode. Um, the story, they open with one, the line Burke says at the beginning of Skin of Bohemia. What is it this time, Holmes? Morphine or cocaine? That's That little bit of that scene is here at the beginning of this book. And also the classic, famous Watson's Watch deduction scene that is in everything mm-hmm. uh bbc sherlock did it with a phone um i mean that's like just a standard holmes deduction bit about uh the scratches around the the keyhole of a of a watch where you turn it it's a sober man's watch never has them and a drunk man's watch is never without them or something like that um but it's just really interesting that this is so late in the series mm-hmm. uh, and i like they've kind of like transposing those bits to other episodes it's, mm-hmm. it's fun yeah I, i'm not begrudging them the fact that they spread them about especially like the first season where they didn't know how many episodes they were going to get to make mm-hmm. firing as many of the big guns as they could i respect the fact they didn't do it again here right um but i don't know it's just interesting the runtime with that but you know i um oh they wouldn't have shortened it they would have just made more time for that bit god Jackson, you don't understand how important the slow boat chase is <laughs> Or the extensive montage of the Irregulars looking for a boat. Really a lot of like slow boat stuff happening in this one. Yeah, just a lot of slow boat stuff. You know, as a Moby Dick reader, you think that I love slow things about boats, but no. No, no. My only thing about Mary is I guess they might not have wanted to like switch sets. That would have meant like more logistics about getting Watson into the story all the time. So I kind of have didn't have Mary move into Baker Street and have this like Three's Company. Yeah, like that sort of Three's Company thing where it's like Sherlock Holmes, Dutch Watson, and Mary Morrison. I mean, all of the stories that involve those characters are in the public domain, so you're free to write your, your uh, AU. A big book of this episode is just like running around London trying to find stuff and like flexing that budget, so we're seeing a lot of the town, we're seeing some, some, some dogs doing stuff, a lot of kid actors, a lot of like. Kid dog actors. Kid dog actors. Puppies, as they're more famously called. <laughs> While it is a lot of run around to like learn some stuff, it is still fun. It was still like kind of enjoyable to watch some learning things happen. Yeah, I guess I, I made a note. It is a film that is gorgeously shot, but everything in it's almost everything in it's dull. <laughs> I think that we made jokes about the boat chase, but I think even excluding that, you could probably cut maybe like. Uh, a few shots here, a few shots there, um, tying a few <clears> things up and make this into like a, a tighter paced narrative and be fine. Um, one thing I'll go ahead and touch on here then since we're talking about um, the the cinematography. This one has so many mirror shots. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's one where they try to get Holmes's reflection off a silver tray uh, <laughs> at, that a card is on. So I looked this up. I, I finally was like, why are there so many mirror shots in Sherlock Holmes? And... The short answer is it's an easy way of shooting in a cramped space. A slightly longer answer is um, the director, Peter Hammond, who did this, is, from what I can find, kind of famous for finding interesting ways of shooting in small spaces. He did some episodes of The Avengers. Uh, famous. One of his best tricks was shooting a reflection in an upside-down mirror. Mm-hmm. Um he also, though, directed the Abbey Grange Wisteria Lodge and this, two where we have also noted the use of the mirror. He also directed a number of things that uh, Jeremy Brett was in. I found he did um, 10 episodes of a miniseries of The Three Musketeers, where Jeremy Brett was D'Artagnan. Oh, nice. Um, and Brian Blessed was in it as part of those. Oh, I'm watching that. Uh, it's 
fine. Oh, it's not that good. I, I from the reviews, the reviewer I read who was talking about it when I was looking for Peter Hammond stuff, it's fine, mm. but also kind of boring. I might put it on like one point two five speed. Sure. I did a huge amount of research, and this is about the most I could find. It was a little column A and a little column B that the the times where we see it very heavily, um, it's because it's a director who is very good at finding ways to shoot in cramped spots. And also then probably from there, they're like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's just keep doing that. Yeah. But I suspect Peter Hammond is the progenitor of that um, shot because he did it. He was in the director of Abbey Grange, which was fairly early on yeah that makes sense i don't know i just at least in, in my family and i know between you and i watching this the mirror shot thing is like the classic like yep there it is take a drink like, yeah <laughs> must be an episode that ends in y <laughs> um one more bit during the deduction before we get to like the, yeah. <clears throat> the new mall there's a bit where uh watson and the detective oh we have like a <clears throat> bubble detective in this one uh are sitting in the apartment waiting for Holmes to come back when a old grumpy sailor comes There's a reward. Is that about the steam launch, Aurora? I'm a police officer. Telling no one but Mr. Sherlock Holmes. No, 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 come, come inside. <laughs> Cigar, Mr. Jones. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. You might offer me one. Uh, just doing a whole disguise bit for no real reason. Like oh, the smug look on his so face. So smug. You think it's such a good time? God. Um, also, I feel like everyone was having a good time this episode. Yeah, uh, uh, this was yeah. this it was the before the season started and before Jeremy Brett had a bad time. So I think it was one of his good good days where they shot this because everybody seemed to be having a blast. Mm-hmm. So anyway, the, let's round out the synopsis and then we'll finish with our other thoughts. Uh, Holmes manages to find out who killed Bartholomew Small, the one-legged man and his curious accomplice. Captured, Small will tell the extraordinary adventure that, linking his fate to that of three Sikhs, made him a successively murderer, co-owner of a treasure, and convict. I didn't miss the Oxford comma there. Then he will reveal how Major Sholto betrayed Morstan in the four. End of synopsis. <laughs> wow. Uh, okay. I didn't know there was like a character limit on here or something, because there's just a huge amount of synopsis that's left out. Yeah. I uh, mean... They don't really get into like all the runaround stuff, which is fine. But like, there's like I mean, a good eighty years of like my time in India. Yeah, they left out at least two successive my time in India <laughs> flashbacks that are like the bulk of why this happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so before we get into some of what's happening with that, um, let's talk about how during those flashbacks we cut from the time in India and Agra and the uh, Andaman Islands. And every time it's this guy, John Small, having just another shot of uh, Boone. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, they are topping his glass up between every flashback. I mean, this man is rip snorting drunk <laughs> by the end. And I was just sitting there whole time going, like, how is that? How is that allowed? I mean, I know it's the 1880s, but even then, there has to be a law that says, like, you can't use this in court. Like, John Watson just got this guy absolutely <laughs> blinding drunk and was like, and then what did you do? <laughs> I kept wanting to like, go back to harder and harder things. So, like, it starts with, like, uh, some whiskey. Then the next time it's, like, some, some heroin. The next time it's some, some meth. It's just doing whippets by the end. <laughs> He's just bathing in the blood of virgins. Oh, God. Just bathing in heroin. God. Oh. I shrugged. And I realized nobody could hear that. Um, uh, n- neither of us know. Oh, well. 
It's just very funny to me. They just get this guy absolutely shit faced Mm -hmm. while he's confessing to a bunch of crimes. One of them is treason. Yeah. The TLDR, he was a soldier, got injured by a crocodile pretty early on, got assigned to kind of just a a nowhere post, just being a a guard and minor captain in uh, Fort Niagara during the the Indian Mutiny, uh, uh, as it's called. Uh, For the record, Jackson did put that in quotes. Yes. Um, During this. Um, uh, a, c- a couple of natives, uh, a couple of local Sikhs are like, "Hey, you should commit treason and kill a guy with us for some treasure." And he's like, "All right, cool. I like to be rich." Um, they do that, but then in his attempt to like, you know, skip town, uh, he has to like get a boat from uh, Sholto's dad and Mary Morrison's dad, and Sholto's dad betrays them all and takes the treasure for himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he goes, and then he eventually makes it back and does some revenge. And the four, in the sign of four being the um, small, the, and then the three Sikhs, the two that mm-hmm. and recruited him, and the one that then also helped. Yeah. I guess he's kind of a minor character yeah, he, at that point, but. He's most there to be, to be big and do a stab. Yeah. He's, he's um, the Michael Myers of the, of the Indian Mutiny. For the record, Jackson did not put quotes on at that time. <laughs> um. Wow. It's not great in the episode. It's even worse in the story. There's a lot of, like, sure. share my opinions about the British Empire and s- some ways of referring to people from India. God that are, save the queen. I don't know how to sing it, but... Yeah. Uh, it's it's not great. I don't want to gloss over it, but also don't want to dig into it too much because I don't have anything great to say beyond it's it's pretty yikes. There's a bit during that where... Um, uh, I'm not sure how aware Sir Arthur Conan Doyle was that he was kind of just telling on himself with this, because um, the the pitch that these uh, the Sikhs make to Small is just do what you came to India to do. We want you to be rich, which is why you British came to this land. I have no objection to being rich. Um, God. sorry. Uh, just do what you English came here to do: become rich. Uh, and that's like, wow, what a. What a good summary of this whole deal. Speaking of being rich, you actually gave me the perfect uh, way to segue into this. The take of the treasure from Agra was a half half million pound sterling. Um, I looked it up. This takes place supposedly in 1888. The conversion rate today would be 68,252,657. And I'm going to say 47 cents. It didn't tell me what the precise... I don't know if it's pence or shillings or what, but just over 68.2 billion pounds today. So get out on the Thames and start digging, gang. Yeah. Um, that is a bit I really like. Uh, we learned that after this whole long-ass story happens, um, Smalls dumped all the treasure in the Thames so that no one could have it, mm-hmm. which is pretty rad, honestly. That was a good, like... Mm-hmm. There's an ongoing thing about how, like, treasure is not actually good, and, and having it just makes things bad. And they're wrong. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's fair. Treasure rules. <laughs> treasure does rule. Um, quick sidebar. I can't now talk about this, whatever it comes up. Uh, um, John D., the, like, mm-hmm. angelologist uh, who worked with um, Queen Victoria mm-hmm. way back in the day, uh, there's this whole bit where in one of those journals where, like, he and his friend, like, Someone an angel, an angel trying to like tell them stuff about the future and the soul and heaven and stuff. And like, we don't care. Tell us where buried treasure is. And the angel got mad at them. And it's very funny. I did a report on him in college in that class that we took together. Mm-hmm. And 
that I, the story of John D and his partner slash the guy who was a hundred percent scamming him uh, is very funny. So I'll play. He was like, the angels are telling me we should share wives. <laughs> like that's legitimately thing that happened. He was just like, the angels said we should do it. So I, I guess we gotta, they're angels, right? <laughs> or whatever. Like. Anyway. Um, that's our John D tour. Back to the story. <laughs> uh, so in the story, uh, we learn that the treasure chest is empty, and then we do the whole um, yeah. India backstory thing. But the episode flips it, so we do the story, and then we do the denouement with the treasure, which is an gotcha. excellent change. It's very small. They just move the lines around, but it is a way better way to focus the attention where it belongs, which is on the treasure. Good mm-hmm. job, episode. You fixed that, at least. Should we talk about Small's Companion, which is not an orphan with a cane like I thought? I guess we have to. We have to touch on it. Uh, Sholdo's Companion is a native of a small island. Uh, they are a diminutive people? Is that fine to say? No? Cut that? To my nose, that's not bad. If we're wrong, you know, uh, you can tell Mike on Twitter. Yeah. The, the inhabitants of this island, according to Holmes in one of the books he reads, that's fine and good uh they are they perhaps claim the distinction of being the smallest race upon this earth they are a fierce morose and intractable people they have always been a terror to shipwrecked crew these massacres are usually concluded by a cannibal feast well and that's really the most i want to talk about that mm-hmm. the they, prosthetics are bad yeah in a hundred years since this came out we probably could have Learned something and found ways to adjust that a little bit. Mm-hmm. They didn't do that. This isn't the first time, though, that we've also had to, as much as we like how steadfastly they hold to the story, we've had to then dock points for holding steadfastly to the bad parts of the story. The bad um, parts. I, right off the top of my head, um, the Speckled Band and Silver Blaze mentioned Romani. A couple times as possible thieving culprits. Wisteria Lodge, full stop. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm sure there's more that I'm forgetting, but yeah, Swiss Lips also not great. Um, but uh, this was almost another level. Mm-hmm. The episode had more time and budget to really dig into all that, and uh, that's not fun. Oh, you were done talking about that detective. Oh. There's a nice Holmes and Watson bit that comes out of him, though, where they're reading the paper and how the paper's, like, lauding this detective's, like, minute attention to detail and all this stuff, and they're just laughing their asses off, mm-hmm. which is very nice. Uh, I think they were on the monographs. Yeah. Um, a few quotes I liked. John Small saying, Never was a man more compassed round with death. It's just fun. Um... I have I, one that I liked is from the beginning. It's after Mary Marston leaves Mary Marston, and um, Watson is kind of how she's very lovely or something. And Holmes is like, oh, I see clients as a uh, unit of clue, a uh, measurement of mystery, whatever. And Watson says something about, like, "You're an automaton of a man, Holmes." Ball one, he says so. The most winning woman I ever knew was hanged for poisoning three little children for their insurance money. And the most repellent man of my acquaintance is a philanthropist who has spent nearly a quarter of a million upon the London poor. I just really like that line. Yeah. Um, yeah, like those are, let's say a good, like, don't the book by its character thing. <laughs> as long as that book is white. I have one that I liked. It is technically a quote, but after the very slow 20-minute boat chase, <laughs> um, Small attempts to crawl to shore, having knocked out the entire crew of the boat so he could drive. Faster, I guess. <laughs> That's how steamboats work. Uh, yeah, and legitimately, it is at least a two-person job, and he knocked out everyone. 
Apart from the guy that got shot. Yeah. Um, Sorry, apart from the guy, was it Watson or Holmes who shot him? Yes. Yeah. Both together with the same gun. They were, <laughs> they were each holding the gun with one hand. Um, <laughs> it's romantic. Yeah. Oh, boyfriends. Um, <laughs> Sholto is starting to crawl to shore and Watson levels the gun. And he's just going through this thick mud. Holmes just goes, no, let him tire himself out. And I went, before you shoot him? <laughs> It wasn't like, no, don't shoot him. We'll let him tire himself out and capture him. He's just, no, let him tire himself out. It's like, and then shoot him. <laughs> this is what happens when you run. <laughs> In retrospect, that immediately gets swept from mind as they then ply that man with a full <laughs> bottle of liquor. <laughs> At least. <sighs> Jeez. This uh, is a bit where Holmes is complaining about um, Watson's retelling of the adventure of the whatever the last one was like you made it a romance Watson how dare you and that's just very fun to me I like that uh, Holmes just does not get how like fun and dramatic his stories are Mm -hmm. Um, I had a small note here about the secret room the premise but essentially I boiled it down to um, Norwood Builder almost literally it's also in Norwood uh, meets the Musgrave ritual Mm -hmm. because it is they find a secret room in a house by doing a lot of math and measurements, mm-hmm. and then they find a treasure. And I'm not, I mean, this came first, so I'm not ding. If anything, I guess I'm retroactively dinging the other two points. But I'm not really like trying to be like, what laziness? It's more of just a little combo there. Honestly, you could probably combine the Musgrave ritual and um, uh, the, the Norwood Builder into one story if you were doing a like another adaption run. Like they're both involving similar things. They both have someone like hidden behind a wall. <clears throat> No, it's kind of interesting. You can make it work. Make it work, people. And that's all we've got apart from Musclash. Yeah, not too many contenders today. We talked about whether we could give it to Sholto or not. He does. Yeah, he is. Like the I yeah, he definitely has the energy of a Musclash winner, but like times negative one. And then I think we decided he's like the reverse. We kept going the reverse Flash. Of our Musk, of Musclash, where he's like the, the the trickster, the great enemy, the pretender that has to be kept out of the holes or something like that. I'm not a fan of Jonathan Small's mustache. It's yeah. just a lot of like sailor beard. It's it's very much Dr. Leon Sterndale's, but it's very wispy, and that's like it's the shelf that has carried him this far. In this case, it's more just like scraggly, wispy, not mm-hmm. good. So I agree. Where um, Dr. Leon Sterndale's shelf is like. Hard oak built by like a master craftsman. Yeah. This is like just an IKEA. We've got Major Schultz the older, who has a you know yeah. decent yeah. beard. I mean, it may be him by default if we can. I actually have another pitch, but he's not listed on this website, so thanks for that. But okay. he's in here. So this is uh, Indigent Singh. He is one of the Sikhs who did some crimes, uh, but he has like a proper like mustache that curls at the end. It looks wispy and distinguished even despite him being you know in this desert setting uh yeah Yeah, i'm fine with that cool i mean he doesn't beat dr leon sterndale's shelf but yeah for posterity's sake yeah he's he wins the sign of four yeah sign of four my flesh winner goes to innocent singh who might be our first actor of color to win this and with that we have riddled through the mystery of the sign of four and as we're coming up upon the Christmas season, we're going to do a ghost story next. Next time, join us and uh, special guest Lauren Grace Thompson as our dogs are barking the sign at the sign of four. Yep, we're doing it again. <laughs> this time with dogs, everybody. <laughs> Woo!
or Dr. Barkin with the Hound of the Baskerville. We're rare to meet that go.